Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to the Mark Divine Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Welcome back. I was totally stoked today to have a really cool guest named Chris Jericho on. I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a moment. I hope everyone is training hard and staying focused and forging your unbeatable mind, body, and spirit. Uh, but before we head into things with Chris, a uh, reminder that we are um, launching the Kokoro Yoga book on April 12th, but it's available for sale now as a pre-sale, and um, I'm pretty optimistic that it'll be another New York Times bestseller, which is really cool, so I appreciate all the support if you've gone out and kind of purchased an advanced copy. If you want to get the first chapter for free and also a um, free trial to the online training that we're going to be launching with it, then go to the domain warrioryoga.com, warrioryoga.com. Some of you may recall that was the early version or early name of that program. So go to warrioryoga.com and check it out. All right. So, you know, I was laughing a little bit ago with Chris that, you know, I thought I'd do some prep and print out his Wikipedia page and it turned out to be 36 pages long. So there's no way I can do him justice. But Chris, thanks for joining me. Chris is a six-time world champion in the in the wrestling arena. Um, he's won WWF, WCW, um, world championships in every W you can imagine. But Chris is more than a wrestler. You know, he's a pretty significant athlete in many ways. He's a successful father, husband, I imagine. We're going to talk about that. Uh, also a musician. He's got his own band or he's the lead singer for a band. He's been on multiple TV shows. So this is going to be a really, really cool podcast. Chris, thank you very much for your taking the time today. Super stoked to have you on the show. Yeah, excited to be here, man. Very, very cool stuff. Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, the, the focus is on you know, unbeatable mind. You know, how do we live a life of excellence? Uh, I like to, you know, with guests, just really get kind of like down to the soft underbelly of who you are. Like where, you know, where do you come from? What motivates you? What drives you toward your success? What are some of the, you know, things that you've done in your life to continue your success? What are I think I think the, the, the biggest thing about it, Marty, is if you have a certain goal to, even as weird as it may sound or as strange as it may sound for other people, you can't really listen to what other people uh, would tell you right. or what other people want you to do or the boundaries that people put you uh, in, the box they want to put you in, especially, you know, for, for me, when I was a kid, I wanted to be in a rock and roll band and I wanted to be a wrestler. Right. Now, you know, telling people that, 
at any point in time, like not only is it one weird thing you want to do, but two of them put together, people will look at you and start laughing. And, you know, there's no way that you can ever do it. There's no way it's ever going to happen. And I learned very early on that the people that tell you you can't do something are the ones that have failed basically at their own dreams. Right. And you just can't really associate with that and, and kind of have to get rid of that sort of negativity that surrounds you. And if you can do that, it really helps you as far as getting getting you ahead in what you want to do, no matter how outlandish it may seem. If you believe in yourself and don't listen to other people's opinions and kind of have, a, of, of have your blinders on, of not, not arrogance, but confidence, you can go a long way and, yeah. and make some of those things happen. But I find that a lot of times people get stuck in the negativity of things and why things won't happen rather than the reasons why it could happen or the reasons why it will happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it sounds platitudinous and simple when you say it, you know, to, to really first uh, be careful of the, the counsel you keep and secondly, to maintain a positive focus. But it is something that needs to be cultivated, right? Now, how, let's talk about your like early years. You were, you're Canadian, right? By birth. Is that right? You're, and your dad was, you're brought up in Winnipeg area? Well, I'm a dual citizen. My dad uh, played for the New York Rangers, so I was born okay. in the States. My parents were, were Canadian, so it's dual citizen. Okay. And so did um, your dad, uh, as a professional hockey player, how did he influence you? Was he a, a positive goaler and a guy he must have been to play professional sport? Yeah, well, I think you know when I told him what I wanted to do, that I wanted to go to wrestling school and learn how to be a wrestler and all that sort of thing, you know, where, where other people's parents might not have been so cool about it or maybe have said, you know, we're, we're not going to support that or we're not going to, you know, help you along that road. My dad was the opposite of that because he had gone through it. He knew what it was like to follow your dreams and, and go outside the box, you know, because he started to play pro hockey, you know, in the junior leagues of it, probably when he was 15 or 16 years old. So he knew what it was like when, when you, you know, I'm sure everyone told him, oh, you're crazy to think you play in the NHL. So I think even though it wasn't pro hockey, it was still doing something of, of a real kind of a outside of the box type of a career. So he always believed in that and gave me the support that I needed, uh, you know, even when things weren't going so well, even when I wasn't working as much. But that kind of helps. You know, I would have done it either way. But when you have you know, a positive influence from, from your parents coming from home, it really helped me a lot. Yeah. So I think, you know, that I have three kids, it's, it's kind of along the lines of whatever they want to do, I'll support it, no matter how outlandish or crazy it would seem. But, you know, I did things the small way. I still went and got my college degree because I met up with um, Jesse the Body Ventura, who was a wrestler that became the, the governor of, of Minnesota, talking about stuff that no one thought you could do. Yeah. But when I met him when I was about 18 years old and told him what I wanted to do, he said, hey, it's just, you know, if you want to do it, go for it, but make sure you get some kind of something to fall back onto. Right. So I went and got my degree in journalism from, from college because I graduated from high school when I was 17. So by the time I was 19, I had this degree and then went off to wrestling school. So even if it didn't pan out, which I wasn't going to take no for an answer, but even if the worst of the worst of the worst happened, I would still have something to kind of focus on uh, outside of, of, of going out to, to become, you know, find my fame and fortune as a wrestler. Right. So all those things, you have to keep that in mind. You know, you have a good game plan and have a, uh, you know, have have a focus on what you want to do, but also be smart enough to know that you need to have a little bit of a safety net just in case, because you right. never know. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I agree. You know, I know Jesse. Jesse was a former SEAL, as you're aware, and, and we actually did a right. podcast with him a while ago, and it was a lot of fun. I, I like Jesse. You know, he's got a little controversial character in the SEAL community, 
but I agree with you. You know, he's, he's accomplished some cool things. Um, you know, the, one of the things that I liked about Jesse is he was always, you know, looking forward and, and never really looking backward. And I think that's a key thing. And I look at your career, you know, I, I read through your little bio and <clears throat> it sounds like you got interested in wrestling when you saw, you know, kind of a tour come through Winnipeg. And then you, ch- you pr- pretty much decided that's what you want to do. And you were always looking forward and you had multiple comebacks. You had multiple, I don't know what you call it, but ring names, maybe. I mean, what I'm looking at here is one of the, one of my favorite was the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla, right? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the Lionheart. Uh, you kind of that you give yourself, yeah. Yeah. So, but one of the things that Jesse told me was that wrestling is is um, kind of equal parts um, athleticism with performance. Can you talk a little bit about that? Do you agree with that, or tell us a little bit what it was I, like I would, to be a, I would a wrestler? Probably go more along the lines that performance is more important than than athleticism. I mean, you know, it's, it's show business, right. and like any great movie or great rock and roll band or you know actor comedian, you have to connect with the audience. Right. And if you can connect with the audience, you'll interest them into, into uh, you know, buying a ticket to come see you, basically. So that's the crux of what wrestling is all about. And even when I started, I was never, I knew I would never be the, the tallest guy on the roster, the biggest guy on the roster. I mean, I'm 5'11", you know, probably was probably 195 pounds at the time. Hmm. Um, but I knew that I could have the biggest charisma, the biggest personality. And that's what always uh, drew me to wrestling, because I, I came through to music first, and I always loved, the flamboyant frontman of David Roth and Paul Stanley and Freddie Mercury and those type of guys. And I thought if I could take that type of rock and roll mentality into wrestling and be the ultimate kind of frontman in the wrestling world, that would be a good place to start. So I took all those qualities that I learned from, from kind of the musicians and, and the pomp and circumstance of rock and roll and put that into the wrestling ring. And that, that worked for me because, I, you know, when I started wrestling back in 1990, it was very much a big man sport. Mm. It's not so much anymore. But at the time, if you weren't six foot eight and 300 pounds, you didn't have a chance of making it anywhere. Right. Or so you thought. But because I had this personality and this charisma, and I did have some athletic ability, I was able to go around the world to Japan and Mexico and Germany and all those other places. So by the time I finally ended up in the States, not only was I a seasoned veteran worldwide uh, in the wrestling ring, but also I had the life lessons that I learned. So from a maturity standpoint, from a variety and diversity and, and just experience, I had all that. And then plus, at that point in time, smaller guys started being able to make a name for themselves. So it was kind of the perfect time frame to, to come out when I came out. Because ha- had I started in 1980 instead of 1990, I probably wouldn't have made it as far because it really was just about the big, big guys. Right. Whereas for me, I always treated it like, like show business. I'm playing the part. I'm playing, you know, I'm playing the role of whatever it was, whether it's the Ayatollah of Rock and Roll or Lionheart or, you know, the Paragon of Virtue or, or, hmm. or Corazon de Leon or whatever it was. I, I played those parts just like, you know, a good actor will play different roles, whether it's Johnny Depp or Brad Pitt or whoever. Every movie is a different part. You just interject your own choices and your own personality into it. And that's what I did in wrestling. Yeah, that's fascinating. Now, you know, people like Steve Austin, The Rock, and Jesse, The Body Ventura, they kept their same persona pretty much over the life of their career. Why was it that you uh, changed it up so often? And like you were playing. Well, I mean, parts. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I wouldn't say it's all part of the progression of making it to you know to the big leagues. And I, see. I mean, a lot of those things are just nicknames that you have. But the basic Jericho character has been the same since about '96. And The Rock had a couple different versions of The Rock when he was you know Rocky Maivia and all that sort of thing. And Steve Austin was stunning. Steve Austin, he was the ringmaster, and you know you kind of get these different roles that you play to to shape 
the character that's really going to take you to the top. And sometimes it does take a little bit of trial and error. And, and, and when you first start out, you don't know shit. You know, you don't know what you're doing. You're just kind of throwing everything against the wall, and hopefully, hopefully it works. So it's not like I was one day coming out with a mask and the next day coming out with face paint or the next day coming <laughs> out with like a big long wig or something. It was all Chris Jericho, just different different versions of that guy. And especially when you're talking about going to Mexico or going to Japan, you have to kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, evolve and uh, incorporate what's going on in those different countries. Right. Sorry, my dad's barking. Uh, in those different countries with, um, you know, with, with what you're doing as far as what you're doing um, in the rings. Because, you know, Mexican style of wrestling is different from Japanese style, which is different from U.S. style. So there really is a lot of kind of little little tweaks and little nuances that you have to incorporate into what you're doing if you want to stay at the highest of levels. Right. And that's just, that's just awesome. you know, it's like when you're public speaking, you've got to know your room. You know, some this, this, this crowd might be different from that crowd. Right. And that crowd might be different from this crowd. So you have to kind of incorporate all that and, and use it to your advantage. And that's one other reason why you have different names sometimes or, you know, maybe slightly different looks. But the, the concept of what I wanted to do always was the same, which is to be the most entertaining person on the show, even if I can't be the biggest. Right. That makes sense. I get it. Let's talk about the mental side of um, wrestling. How, how would you mentally prepare for an event? What were the... What were some of the tools you used, and what was the biggest challenge mentally for you? Well, I mean, you know, it's just more, kind of more the same of what I was saying. I mean, I think when you first start out, you know, it's it's terrifying. I mean, I still remember my very first match, October uh, October second, nineteen ninety, in Pinoca, Alberta, at the Moose Hall, (laughs) like (laughs) a Legion Hall or something. And, you know, you're terrified, man. I remember the first live gig I ever had with Fozzie was my rock band. I mean, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know if you can, if you can handle this. Right. But then once you kind of, or even when I did Dance with the Stars, the first dance I ever did in my life was in front of 25 million people on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> and you just have to go out there and, and uh, just do it. Get the first one done. And once you get one under your belt, you still don't know anything, but at least you have one. And then once you go out there again, you got another one. And, you know, here I am 25 years later in wrestling. I think I've had close to 3,000 matches, and we have probably the biggest crowd I'll ever have in my life, maybe, is this this Sunday in Dallas for WrestleMania. There's going to be 100,000 people there at at t Stadium in Dallas. Right. But each time, you you know, you just, you still always have that feeling, that those butterflies, and I hope it goes well, and what are you going to do? It's just that now I have a lot more experience behind it. But how do you prepare for it? You know, I, I, I guess, I guess, I guess you just keep doing it. <laughs> you know, it's not like you sit down there and I don't do any, you know, meditating or any, you know, do any studying or anything like that. You just have to rely on your ability and rely on rely on the ability to kind of just take things as they go. Because when you're performing in front of a live audience, once again, whether it's dancing or wrestling or singing or being a comedian, you never know what's going to happen. You, you don't. So right. you have to have that open mind and that open ability of like, well, whatever happens, happens, and I'll just go with it and roll with it. Right. And once you kind of get that confidence that you can do that, like I can have a match with you right now. Just go in there and just listen to what I say, and we'll have a great match because mm-hmm. I have the confidence. Right. You know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I'd be scared to death. So I think it all is just evolving and constantly having the ability and the idea and the, and the mindset of wanting to better yourself and just kind of keeping an open mind so you never know what's going to happen. And if you can have that attitude and to so go with the flow, you'll always, you'll always learn and be better. Yeah. I mean, you're talking a lot about attitude, you know, over the course of a uh, time, but what, what about, you know, like walking into the ring or walking on the stage, 
what what is in your mind at those moments what what internal dialogue is are you using to stay centered and, and preparing? Well, I mean, like, once again, it's kind of a similar thing. As soon as I walk through the curtain or as soon as I walk on stage with the Fozzie, I'll, okay, what kind of a reaction am I getting right off the bat? Because I know right now, after doing it for all these years, I can tell you right off the bat within 10 or 15 seconds what kind of a crowd it is. Mm-hmm. Are they a hot crowd, as we say? Are they excited? Are they are they into it? Are they, are they going nuts? Are they quiet? Are they going to have to be, you know, encouraged to make some more noise? And once you kind of tell that right off the bat, okay, now I know what I need to do to, to continue this reaction or to get more of a reaction, depending mm-hmm. on on what's going on. So, you know, and that's just experience. So, so my inner dialogue. What's what's my what's my what's my motive? Every match to have, or every show to have the best possible match or the best possible performance to where next time I come to town, people are going to want to pay to see me. And they're going to enjoy themselves tonight, and they're going to remember this. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're at a festival with 15 bands, what can I do to make my band stand out, especially the people that have never seen us before? Mm-hmm. Um, wrestling wise, okay, for example, WrestleMania is coming up. That's like the Super Bowl of the WWE. Everybody's going to be going all guns blazing. What can I do to make people remember this match? What can I do differently that no one else will do? So that's kind of the way I look at things. So how can I stand out? From a selfish standpoint, I don't like sharing the spotlight with anybody, you know, and I think mm-hmm. every time you go out there, you should want to steal the show. And sometimes it's just not in the cards. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have a wide open invitation to, to to go for it and do it. So I always, to me, it's always, I want to be better than I was before. And I want people to, to enjoy themselves. And when it's done, go, well, you know, this was good. That was good. But Jericho, man, he was awesome. I, 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 right. He was great. I love that guy. Or I hate that guy. Or whatever it may be. Uh, whatever whatever you know, right. role I'm playing on the show. So I, I think well, if you have that attitude, you'll always continue to thrive. Because it's when you start phoning it in that, that problems start. And, and you should probably just quit. Yeah. Did it ever bother you to play the villain? You know, the guy that people hate? No. No? Hell no. I love playing the villain. I actually like... I like playing both as long as, as, as people are excited or making noise or into it. Mm-hmm. So I've always found, though, it's a lot easier to make people hate you at first than it is to make them like you. <laughs> and then the secret on top of that is once they start hating you, guess what happens? They eventually start to love you. Right. So how can you continue to make them hate you? Because you think of any great villain, like even in the movies or anything like that, Okay, Hannibal Lecter, first movie, everyone's scared of him. Second movie, he becomes a good guy. Right. Freddy Krueger, Darth Vader, Terminator, you name it, because they become more interesting than, than, than the good guys. And then right. once that happens, you know, Heath Ledger is the Joker. Right. Tremendous, tremendous. You just love that guy. So, you know, I think the last time I was a heel, I was a heel for two and a half years, and it got really hard over the last six months to a year because there's nothing you can do that's going to make people boo you because they like you. Oh, this guy's so entertaining or so funny or he's so good at what he does. So that's why much like a soap opera, you know, you have to switch back and forth sometimes because right. sometimes there's nothing more you can do will make people boo you or nothing more you can do will make people cheer for you. So then it's time to switch over. And to me, I think the, the sign of a good performer in, in the rest of the business is you have to be good at both. And it's rare. Right. Most guys are usually better at one than the other. But if you get guys that can be a good baby face, which is a good guy or a good heel, which is a bad guy, then you really got longevity. 
That's fascinating. Yeah, I wonder if that's, you know, it, why we're having our heroes fight against each other in the movies, you know, like Batman versus Superman. <laughs> well, sure. You know, and that happens in wrestling too, where it's like, well, who are we supposed to cheer for? And anytime that happens to me, it's like, just cheer for who you want. Like, you go, if you go to a football game, not everybody's going to be cheering for the Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, right. and not everyone's going to be cheering for the Minnesota Vikings. They're going to cheer for who they want, who they like. Right. And that's the way it is. It's not like one team's the good team and the other team's the bad team. Right. So as long as people are making noise, that's, that's always for the best. Now, you want them to 100% boo you if you're a bad guy or 100% cheer you if you're a good guy, but the cardinal sin is if they're not doing anything at all. Then you know you're in trouble. Right. Absolutely. Yoga is for warriors. Go to warrioryoga.com and pre-order a copy of my new book, Kokoro Yoga, due out April 12th. When you pre-order, you'll receive two free gifts, including the first chapter of the book and a one-hour recovery video. Prepare your body, mind, and spirit on your quest to self-mastery. Check out warrioryoga.com. Go there now. Hooyah. What is the What's your physical training uh, like to prepare or just to maintain your your structure for these, uh, for this sport? I mean, over the years, it's been a lot less about lifting weights and a lot more about, I started doing yoga about five years ago. That really helped me because I was, right. I was having a lot of issues with my back, mm-hmm. um, bike riding. I love doing that boxing, that sort of stuff. Still, uh, not super, uh, into lifting weights. Whereas when I was in my twenties and thirties, it's like, you know, how much you bench, mm-hmm. you know, what can you lift? What can you do? And then that, that becomes less and less, you, you know, it's more about, the cardio aspect, the dieting aspect, the cosmetic aspect, as long as you look, as you look good, that's great. But how much you can really lift doesn't matter anymore. So mm-hmm. my training has really gone, uh, gone in a different way, which, you know, I'm 45 years old. I still, I still move great and feel great and still work like I did when I was in my thirties. And if I didn't, I wouldn't be doing this anymore. But if I was still trying to lift weights and do all that sort of stuff, I don't think my body would be responding as well. So as you get older, you have to change your, your workout style mm-hmm. to kind of stay in line with what your body is dealing. So I feel better now since I started doing yoga over the last few years than I did 10 years ago. I used to wake up and just feel so sore all the time. And it would take me a good, you know, five, 10 minutes to start. I was like winding up a toy, like, okay, come on, come on, come on. There it goes. <laughs> right. Now, you know, now I'm out of bed and just go for it because right. Uh, because of all the yoga that I've been doing. So, you know, like I said, I, I feel pretty good about, about the, the changes that I've made in my training. And I think that's going to enable me to continue to not only wrestle as long as I want to, and it might be tomorrow, it could be five years from now, but also just continue a great quality of life after taking, taking all these falls and all these crazy bumps that I've been doing for the last 25 years. And if it wasn't for yoga, I'd feel a lot worse than I do now. Yeah, I, I mean, that's music to my ears. Yoga has been a big part of my routine since like 1999, and I've been teaching SEALs and special operators and others yoga, and, uh, you know, it's it does make a huge difference. It's great. There's a guy called uh, Diamond Dallas Page. He's, he was a, a former wrestler, and when I was having all my back problems, he basically called me and said, you got to try my yoga program, and, and it's, it, he calls it DDP Yoga, and it's unbelievable so many of the guys in, in the business are doing it now and girls too and everyone in between and it's just an amazing way to stay in shape stretch out and his version of it even is, i think probably even better for for guys who've been through the wars that i have because it's almost physiotherapy there's a lot of resistance training it's his own, own kind of hybrid uh yoga style that really is beneficial to to, to anybody really but once i discovered that i was like I, now i know what my workout's going to be for the rest of my life right what about your nutrition, your fueling? How do you um, 
how do you fuel and uh, prepare your you know your foods? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's not easy to eat well on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, That's for me, sure. Let me rephrase that. It's not convenient. Right. I mean, you can do it. You just have to be more aware. And so, you know, once again, the, the tide has kind of shifted for the whole company, whereas before you'd stop and have McDonald's or just stop at a gas station. And it's not like that anymore. A lot of people uh, prepare their own food, bring it with them. I don't do that as much, but I definitely know exactly what, what I'm going to be eating, which is you know, very strict uh, when, you, when you're on the road, you know, and, and it has to be because even if I'm not wrestling, I'm still on the road with Fozzie, and that's even crazier because we're usually in Europe or Australia or, you know, down in South America. And so you really got to be, because even though I, I'm not wrestling, I'm still in shape. I don't stop training and stop, you know, start getting fat when I'm not wrestling. As a matter of fact, with, with Fozzie, you're probably even more, more cardio because the, the, the shows are so intense and you're kind of going for 60, 70, 80 minutes straight, whereas wrestling is usually 20 minutes or so. But I think if you watch your eating and stay as clean as you can, you'll always be okay as long as you're exercising. I think a couple of years ago, I went and did the paleo diet, the caveman diet, mm-hmm. and that was amazing. But I'll tell you what, after about six months, I started losing my mind because you don't eat anything. Right. It's the same thing over and over again, you know? So I think I think a combination of the two. You have to find that nice balance. If you want to have a cookie, eat, eat a freaking cookie and don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Just don't eat ten of you know. So I think when you get older, you just have to be more cognizant of what you're eating. Right. But um, you know, just cut out cut out the obvious stuff. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I agree. Interesting. Um, do you have a contemplative or meditative practice? where you deliberately spend time in silence doing something that looks like meditation? No, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an only child, so I enjoy being by myself. And mm-hmm. to me, meditating is, you know, every night before I go to bed, I, I just veg out on my phone and look through my Twitter, or look through my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like driving, listening to music, or listening to podcasts, actually. That sort of thing. That stuff is, is more therapeutic for me than anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I sit in a room with the lights out, you know, chanting OM or anything like that. But I think there's everybody, everyone's got different ways of kind of zoning out and, and winding down from a long day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I, I travel by myself. I like being by myself. That helps too because sometimes you just don't feel like talking, you know, right. after sure. a long day of performing and you're always on when you're in front of the fans and you're always on when you're doing this or doing that. Sometimes it's just cool just to chill by myself and, and not, worry about anything yeah yeah i agree interesting so what do you um what were some of your biggest successes what are you most proud of i mean honestly man i mean i'm what i'm most proud about is the fact that i've gotten to do what i always wanted to do and make it make a good living at it you know Mm -hmm. i think you know i beat the odds Mm -hmm. i'm writing a book right now actually about that sort of thing it'll be my fourth book and the first three were kind of autobiographies and this one's going to be more of a motivational type of book of you know, how, how does a kid from Winnipeg, Canada go on to become, you know, this, this well-known, you know, wrestling superstar and have this great rock and roll band that's toured with, you know, Metallica and Kiss and, you know, all that sort of stuff. How do you do that? And the answer is, you know, there's no guidebook to it, but it all goes back to what I said, just believe in yourself and don't put any boundaries on what you can and can't do. And that's what I'm most proud about is that, is that I was, you know, from a professional standpoint, I'm most proud about the fact that, after 25 years of being in show business, I still am in this business and still have a lot of great stuff going on and really carved out a good niche for myself. 
had some luck, had, had some some blessings, mm-hmm. but a lot of it was just hard work and stubbornness, man. And I think a lot more people can benefit from having that attitude of just not taking no for an answer. If you want to do something and you know it's the right thing to do and you know it's, you know, as long as you're not hurting somebody, but just quit making excuses and get the damn job done. Mm-hmm. And by having that attitude, I really, I'm really proud of, of what I've accomplished. Because if you look at me on paper, I never should have made it in any of the things that I've made it in. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just that my heart took me a lot farther than a lot of people expected it would. Yeah. Since everybody on this uh, who listens to my podcast knows that nobody's perfect, and, you know, including myself, and I'm, I'm very open with sharing my flaws and failures, I, yeah, I'm yeah, curious, what, what, is, what do you consider you know, one of your big failures? And what did you learn from it? I think you, you have failures all the time, you know, because I, I think I, I think the biggest failure is not trying something. You mm-hmm. know, if you try something that doesn't work out the way you want it to, I don't call that a failure. I call that an experience. I think it's when you don't do something that you thought, well, I don't know if I should do this. I don't think it's going to work, and you don't do it. Well, then the, the, the opportunity is gone forever. You know, you lost your you lost your place in line. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's been a lot of failures. Of course, there has been. You know. But I think, you know, I think probably learning from those things and, and turning them into positives kind of negates the, the failure of it. Yeah. So I can't really say, well, this one here is my biggest failure. That one's here my biggest failure. Because even things that didn't work out for me or, or bad choices that I made, I still was able to turn, you know, turn the proverbial negative into a positive and continue on the path that, that, that I'm on. So, yeah. um, like I said, I think, I think the only real failure is when you don't, try something or don't give it your all or don't do your best or, or phone something in, then you start getting the failing territory. And I, I haven't had much experience with that. You know, there's nothing else. I always worked my ass off, even if it sucked. You know, at least I tried right, everything right. I could make it good. Yeah. I think you're, you're spot on. That truly is probably one of the most important lessons for success is to turn your failures into uh, an important positive right. lesson that you can gain momentum from rather than, you know, have some regret about. So do you have any regrets? Is there anything that is left undone or that you would like to have done by now in your life or something like that? You know, not, not really. Cause like I said, it still boils down to the fact that, that I wanted to be in a rock and roll band and I wanted to be arrested yeah. and all of these other things that have happened. I never planned that. I never, you know, Someday I'll be on Dancing with the Stars, or someday I'm going to host a <laughs> show with giant fighting robots, which I did that too. You know what I mean? Like anything that kind of comes along the pike, you know, because I look at my body of work sometimes and it's incredible. I mean, web series for Comedy Central, a web series that I wrote and produced myself, uh, that won awards around the world, you know, writing books, having my own podcast done you know, over 130 million downloads and all this other cool stuff mm-hmm. has all been a byproduct of what I wanted to do, which is just be a rock and roll band and be a wrestler. So I can't really have a list of like, oh, I want to do this, this, and this because it hasn't worked that way so far. So I don't want to jinx it. So I just kind of go with the <laughs> right. flow, like I said. <laughs> and when something interesting comes across my desk, if I think I can do it, I'll do it. If I don't have an interest in it, I remember, for example, like, uh, Celebrity Apprentice. I got offered that probably three seasons in a row, and I just, I just didn't feel it. And mm-hmm. Nothing against the show. I just like, yeah, I don't really feel that that's right for me. And and Dancing with the Stars was the same. And the third time, my friend said, you know what? If I don't give this a try, well, then I'm the asshole. So I'll give it a shot. And that's kind of what uh, the way I've, I've, I've focused my life is that you just, you just gotta. If it feels right, then go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've had. Uh, William Shatner on my show a couple times. His motto is, 
never turn he never turns anything down. I never turn anything down because you never know where it might lead. And I think that's a pretty good model to have, unless you feel really deep down inside that it's not right. If something comes up, it's like you know what? Sure, I'll give it a try. What the hell? And and most of the time, something good will come out of it. Yeah, but you must say no to an equal number of opportunities, I imagine, right? So you've got to have a filter. You can't say yes to everything, I imagine. Well, yeah, you do, you do. But like I said, I mean, you still always have to remain true to yourself, right? Uh, and believe in what you're doing, you know? Yeah. So besides wrestling and being in a band, which, and by the way, your band's name is Fozzy, right? Or is it? Um, yeah. Something? Okay, yeah. Fozzy. Besides those two things, which you've come back to, and you know, we're kind of your guiding lights. What else? What do you see in your future? I mean, who is who's Chris Jericho in in uh, twenty years? Same thing that I'm in right now. You know, same thing I've been doing since I was 19 year old, which is entertaining people, mm-hmm. and um, just that, that I'm a creative person. I'll have to continue to be creative no matter what, and if it means you know playing a, a guitar on the street with a with a, a, a hat in front of me to collect spare change, <laughs> I'll still be doing it. You know, I, I that's what I do. It's like I don't work in a bank. I don't you know uh, grow crops. I'm an entertainer. And, and that's what I've done my whole life. And I think much the same thing when you see you know, the Stones playing in front of a million people in Cuba last week. Mm. So a lot of the Stones still do that. They don't need, how much money do you need? And it's, like, it's not about the money. Right. It's about continuing to expand your creative horizons and continue to enjoy your life. And I think over the last 10, 20 years, what used to be old is not old anymore. You know, I remember, uh, you know, you look at a picture of my dad when he was 45 and, he looks like a 45-year-old guy. Now, like, I'm 45, and I look like, I don't even know, a 25-year-old guy, a 75-year-old guy. Everybody kind of looks the same now. If you have, as long as you try and keep yourself in shape and, and have a, a good attitude and a useful attitude, you can continue to, to, to have a great life. I think there's a lot of people that just give up right. after a while. Right. And that's when that's when it's time to, to check out. And, and I'm not, you know, I don't see myself giving up. I think by the time I'm 80... You know the Stones will probably still be playing. And I'd be like, <laughs> I love those guys like too. Stones, you know, I mean, I had like I mentioned with Shatner, he's in his mid eighties and and had more projects than I had. You right. know, he had just rode a motorcycle across the states, and he was about to go tour Japan with Henry Winkler and Terry Bradshaw and film a show about that. And then he's doing this, and he's got that going on. And it's like, damn, dude, like when I'm eighty five, I want to be like you. Yeah. You know, because there's no there's no reason to not still be you. And I think this old school mentality of retiring when you're 65 and getting a gold watch and going out to garden for the rest of your life is bullshit. Right. So, um, I'll still be doing the same thing that I'm doing today, uh, which is entertaining. It might, it probably won't be, as I think it won't be in a wrestling ring, but there's a million other ways to, to continue to entertain. And that's why I've really worked a lot on the Chris Jericho brand over the last 10 years, knowing that I wouldn't be in, in a ring for the rest of my life, not mm-hmm. wanting to be in a ring for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. but you know, playing music or a podcast or acting or writing books, you can do those until you're, you know, old and gray. And that's kind of my mindset. And I right. think uh, I think I've got a great fan base that spans a few generations at this point. And, and uh, when you can, when you're fortunate enough to cultivate that, there's there's always a market there for Chris Jericho. And I think that's because people enjoy what I do, and they knew, they know that I'll always give a hundred percent on any of my projects that I do. So they trust me. And that's, you know, if you like me in wrestling, well, then try this. If you like me in music, well, then try that. If you like my podcast, well, then do this. And I think that's um, that's the best way to, to, to focus on what you're going right. through. Yeah, that's great. Um, since you like challenges and um, 
you have a 45 year old body that, that is, um, you know, physically like a 25 year old, I, I would love to invite you to one of our challenges <laughs> as my guest. And we, we have an event, um, through SealFit called Kokoro Camp. And a Kokoro means, uh, merging your heart and your mind into your actions, which it sounds like is how you lead your life. And it's 50 hours, 50 plus hours of nonstop physical and mental training. So what wow. do you say? You up for it? <laughs> I'll leave that up to the true pros, man. I'll just come and cheer you guys on. I'll have, I'll have full beers waiting for you when you're done. <laughs> no, you got, you got to do it, man. It's full out. <laughs> well, I'll have Allison follow up with you on that. <laughs> so, so the audience will be standing by to see whether you accept that challenge. It's awesome. I, I threw the same challenge out to The Rock, and he's like, well, I got to get my shoulder worked on. And <laughs> Yeah, I'm not even going to give you any bullshit excuse. I'm just going to say I'll just watch you guys and cheer you on. Yeah, right on. <laughs> there you go. Actually, it was Stone Cold, not, not cool, the man. Cool, yeah. So anyways, that stands if you change your mind. Um, awesome, awesome uh, to, to you know get to meet you. Where, um, what do you want to tell the audience uh, about your, you know, where to learn about you or, you know, what's coming up or, you know, do you want to announce something about your book or? You know, it's funny. I, I love this because I used to do that on my show. I'm like, you know what? I think I just Google it. And that's the yeah. thing. I just Google, Google Chris Jericho. And, and that's kind of where I get all my information. about. That's how I found out about you. Oh, I'll school you. But I mean, I, I got so much stuff going on. I think the biggest thing is we got WrestleMania this Sunday. Okay. And, um, you know, my podcast is called Talk is Jericho. It's oh. twice a week on iTunes at podcast1.com. And uh, that's about it, man. And there's always other stuff in the works and other stuff that pops up and pops down. And if I told you the whole list, you'd probably get really bored really fast. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bake sale across. I got a bake sale at the Women's Armory. Uh, lemonade and brownies. So come on down, everybody, come check it out. <laughs> awesome. Well, if I was there, I would do, I would join you with that. All right, Chris. Yeah, all right. Awesome. Super cool to meet you. All thank, right, dude. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Anytime. And uh, hoo yeah, we'll 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 track you and um, stay in touch. All right, folks. You heard it, uh, Chris Jericho. So check him out and. Um, Hopefully, he'll take me up on the Kokoro Camp offer in the future. We'll see. At any rate, uh, there you go. Uh, you heard also Chris talk about yoga, how important it's been for him. Now, here's a professional wrestler doing yoga, and a lot of these guys are doing yoga. How cool. So um, another reason to check out Kokoro Yoga, the book and the program. So the domain, the, the book domain is warrioryoga.com, or you can pre-order, you know, pre-order it at Amazon. So uh, warrioryoga.com is the domain for the book right now, and uh, you can get a free uh, first chapter as well as a trial to the online training that will come uh, on April, I think, 28th or something like that. At any rate, um, that's it for today, folks. Uh, train hard, stay focused, have a blast, keep forging that unbeatable mind, body, and spirit, and we'll talk to you next time. Coach Divine out. Booyah. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
Sports. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.